The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Good evening, everybody. Just got the thumbs up that uh, it's time to start. Uh, nice to see you, everybody. Thank you for coming to the meditation class. My name is Sunyo. For those who haven't seen me before, I see a few new faces. So, uh, Yesterday, Langdon here told me that uh, Ajahn Sadara, who is the other monk who is staying uh, with me in the uh, center here, he told me that he is a drummer, just like me. So I only found out yesterday that both of the monks staying here, we are drummers, so we spoke about, well, not anymore, of course, we're not drummers anymore. The only thing I hit now, I suppose, is the bell. <laughs> I'm very good at that. <laughs> Can do all the rhythms. No, I won't do that anymore. But uh, we used to play the drums, so we spoke like uh, for two minutes about our favorite drummers that we used to have and stuff like that. And I'm saying that because... Uh, I, I was taking a shower afterwards and suddenly this song came into my head that I used to listen to a lot when I was uh, still a lay person. And it was uh, a song by a band called Pain of Salvation. Quite interesting band name, but uh, I don't remember the, the title of the song or much of the song at all, but I, only this phrase came into my head. And the phrase of the song, one of the lyrics, goes like like this. Finding out, I, I won't sing it, you know. It's finding out that freedom is a state of mind. That's what they sang. Uh, freedom is a state of mind. And it's quite an interesting concept of freedom, because often we think of freedom in the external world. Freedom from... Uh, oppression, freedom from lockdown, <laughs> freedom from uh, uh, to do whatever you want to do, these kinds of freedoms, and there's value in those. I won't devaluate those, but there's a, a much bigger freedom to be found, which is freedom is a state of mind, that kind of freedom. What do we mean by that? Freedom is a state of mind that is... Uh, um, what we try to find in Buddhism is states of mind where we can feel at peace and we have the freedom from desire, the freedom from ill will, freedom from all the uh, mental anguish and suffering that uh, our mind creates. And this is why we're here today. So we can find at least a taste of that freedom, a taste of peace, a taste of, yeah, of, of liberation. And, well, the, ben, the, the name sal Pain of Salvation is the band name. Salvation also means something like liberation. It's a bit more of a Christian concept, but uh, the, the name is interesting because Pain of Salvation, like, like suffering of the non-suffering in a way, <laughs> I don't know what, why they took that band name, but I thought it has some link 
to Buddhism that sometimes meditation, maybe the monks and nuns talking here speak all about freedom and happiness, but sometimes, yeah, meditation has also, uh, is a bit suffering as well. So <laughs> it's like the pain of salvation. It's sometimes the suffering we need to go through to uh, reach freedom. Because sometimes meditation, yeah, can uh, not always be comfortable, but at least we try to steer into the direction of the peace, into the direction of freedom, not just to succumb to suffering and just, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. If you sit and meditate and you are just suffering and anguish all the, all the time and you just if you don't do anything about that, that's not the way of meditation. It's actually the idea to steer away from that. It's not to not to ignore it either, like the pain of salvation quote <laughs> will uh, will be there sometimes. Meditation is sometimes just uh, yeah uh, can be a bit uneasy, but. Uh, we know that the Buddha taught us tools to move away from all the uneasiness and all the uh, suffering. And that's the whole point of the Buddhist path and of meditation is to move in a certain direction, a certain direction of peace, slowly, gradually uh, remove the defilements of the mind that create suffering. And this is also what I've been speaking about Yesterday and last week, for those who haven't listened to that or who weren't there, I've been talking about the meaning of mindfulness in the Buddha, Buddhist texts, in the Pali Canon mostly. And mindfulness in that concept is very clear. Uh, mindfulness in that context is quite clear what it means. It, it means uh, the ability of our mind to develop the wholesome and abandon what is unwholesome. It, uh, Buddha compared mindfulness to a guard who keeps out the unhelpful mind states and who lets in all the helpful mind states. And the guard needs to, of course, have some wisdom and to recognize what kind of mind states are worthwhile developing and what kinds of mind states aren't. Many people might not have heard of the Buddha's teachings that anger is uh, something to be avoided. Some people think anger is a good thing to have to, uh, because it may be in, they think it may have you act on something. Uh, but the Buddha said, no, mindful of, uh, sorry, anger is an unwholesome mind state. So if you recognize anger or ill will or whatever words we have for it, if you recognize that in your mind, and the guard of mindfulness should say, hey, get out of here. <laughs> you, uh, should, should, you don't belong here. And instead develop the kindness and the love, the acceptance uh, instead. So you make sure you don't get into unwholesome mind states and you develop the wholesome ones. So that's one way to think of meditation is to abandon what doesn't help us and to develop instead 
what does help us so in the case of anger when you might meditate in a moment with me some of us might recognize that our dominant mind state is annoyance anger ill will all these different variations that there are and we might recognize that and not do anything about it but that is not the buddhist way if we recognize there's ill will and we first of all should be able to recognize oh this is something that's better avoided in meditation otherwise you're just going to sit here for 40 minutes being angry (laughs) so what you should do then is recognize oh maybe i should develop some loving kindness today or you might have something else going on in your mind you might be sleepy i expect maybe i will be sleepy today in my meditation (laughs) because i already feel a little bit sleepy earlier so then i am on guard for the sleepiness and uh, maybe i might decide to meditate with my eyes open today just it's harder to fall asleep or just to develop uh, a perception of light with my eyes closed is also something you can do or develop joy which lifts up the mind maybe joy by recollecting the fact that you are all here with me today and just saying the words makes me already happy and i could also meditate on that reflection so this is how mindfulness works in that context it recognizes oh i'm i'm sleepy or i might be sleepy so what can i do about that and this is how uh, mindfulness i've explained works in a, in a way to remember what the problems are and remember what to do about it this is how the buddha very clearly explained uh, in satipatthana sutta how to work with the hindrances and the, the problem now is teaching this this to you is there are so many different hindrances <laughs> that can happen inside of our minds there's a classical set of five hindrances in the Buddha's, Buddhist text, which are sense, desire, ill will, restlessness, sleepiness, and doubt. But that is just one way to sort of uh, one group of things that can happen. As you can look at meditation also as if there are a thousand different hindrances <laughs> and categorize it differently. You could say there's just one one hindrance, the one of delusion. <laughs> so the problem is now if I I would like to teach this to you, but all your minds are going to be doing something different in a moment when we start meditating. Let me get the clock here so I can have some time. So you will all have to find your own ways in meditation. This is why I have often said that i don't like guided meditations myself (laughs) because even when i sit next to uh, my teacher ajahn brahm in in perth and we sit on a podium like this i am then his assistant and he teaches and i listen Uh, and when he teaches guided meditation then I never do what he's he's saying to do (laughs) because I recognize my mind doesn't need that what he is teaching at that moment. 
For example, he might say, now focus on the breath uh, in your meditation. And I re realize if I focus on the breath right now, I'm just going to be uh, falling asleep or it's just not the right moment. I need to do metta or whatever. And I think to practice in this way, to be your own, your own guide, your own, your own teacher. Yeah, be your own teacher because you're recognizing your own mind, your own mind states. To to practice in that way, I think is very fruitful because you can always work with whatever is in your mind. And, as, and sometimes it is the right time to do mindfulness of breathing and to focus on your breath. But you need to recognize for yourself when is that right time. Because it's not always the right time to do that. Sometimes your mind is just still way too restless. And if you focus on the breath, it just the mind is not interested in it because it still has other things to deal with. Maybe something that happened earlier today or something you're worried about generally or whatever. Maybe uh, even things like anxiety or depression or whatever you have to deal with. Sometimes it's just not as easy just to, to say focus on the breath or be in the present moment. Those teachings are very helpful, but you know, sometimes it's always also very helpful to be a bit more uh, uh, active, let's say, in deciding what is right to do in a meditation. So therefore, <laughs> although I'm supposed to give a guided meditation, <laughs> I don't really like the guided meditation so much, if, if it goes into too much uh, details. Sometimes it's actually nice, but generally I'm not a big fan for this reason. So I'm going to try to do some sort of guided meditation wherein I let you judge for yourself what needs to happen. And I've never tried this before, so let's see <laughs> if this works or not. And uh, we'll, we'll start in a moment. And if we, well, I was going to say, if it doesn't work, just do whatever you think works for you. But that is exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to teach you today. Do whatever works for you, because you know what brings peace. You know what brings joy. And actually, uh, sometimes Ajahn Brahm also teaches in that way. And he teaches, for example, on the peaceometer, the, uh, to focus not on the object of meditation, he says, but imagine like you have a, some sort of uh, gauge inside of you which measures how peaceful you are, the peaceometer. And instead of focusing on certain objects of meditation or ways of meditation, you focus on how peaceful you are. And then you look at the peaceometer, what makes the needle of the peaceometer move up and what makes it move down? What makes you more peaceful? And what makes you less peaceful? And then you can judge for yourself. What does that? that? So that was just a little bit of introductionary talk. Maybe if there is some questions, 
that I can answer very briefly here in the room. I'll take the online ones uh, later after the meditation, but if anybody has some questions here in the room, it's always nice to uh, relieve us of doubt before we start meditating, <laughs> which is one of the hindrances, doubt. <laughs> so I'm happy. We, at least we don't have that hindrance. <laughs> <laughs> but there's probably the other four will play up uh, at some point in our meditation today which is all good of course so let's start then I'll start by inviting the bell three times and also finish off with the bell as well Oh, please start by checking out your body. See if there's anything in your body which may need adjustment. This is one way that you can be your own judge of what needs to happen. I don't know how you need to move your body to be comfortable, but whatever you feel is necessary, please do so. Maybe you need to adjust your cushion like I just did. Or straighten your torso, or maybe just the opposite, slump a bit more. Sometimes it also be the right thing. Just spend some time being aware of the body. Sometimes you don't immediately know what you need to adjust to find a comfortable posture. Because you still need to tune up the awareness. need to get in touch with the body which can take a take quite a while sometimes actually so just feel how the body is doing just check in with it And ask your body, is there anything I can do for you to make you more comfortable? Maybe adjust some clothing. 
change your posture, whatever, it's all fine. And if you've got the coarsest adjustments made, see if you can make smaller adjustments in your body. To relax the muscles in your face. Relieve the tension around your eyes. Relax the muscles around your neck and shoulders. Relax your back and torso. Relax your legs, your feet. your arms and your hands. You just let your awareness dwell in your body and find the tight spaces and where there is some tension and try to see if you can somehow ease some of that tension or change your attitude to it. Be kind to the body. whatever you need to do to have a more peaceful body, a more relaxed body. You are the judge of that. You know best what needs to happen. So I'll let you for 
coming five minutes just be with your body and see if you can relax it more whatever way
<laughs> including your awareness, also your mind as well. And ask yourself, what right now in my experience of body and mind prevents me from being more peaceful? Or in other words, where is the most agitation? Is it still in the body? Or is it something in the mind which blocks us from deeper meditation? Just ask yourself, what is the biggest hindrance right now? Sometimes you have an answer to that. Sometimes it's not immediately obvious. But don't feel bad if you can't pinpoint anything specific, but see if there's anything that stands out. And if you found something, and it's still uh, something, then whether it's in the body or in the mind, ask yourself questions, investigate it. How did this come to be? And what can we do about it? How can we move the needle of the peaceometer towards more peace? by looking at this specific thing differently or by treating the mind differently. One common obstacle is thinking too much about the future, about after the meditation or even the future within the meditation. then you realize that this, this is a hindrance to peace, thinking about the future. Then what can we do about that? Well, there's various things, but for example, you could reinforce yourself how valuable it is to spend time in the present, to not think about the future. You can always think about the future after the meditation. Then that it becomes like a tool that the guard uses to keep out the future. Instead you focus on the present. So nice to be here. So valuable. Or maybe there's something else in your experience that stands in the way of deeper relaxation and peace.
and awareness and joy. And just investigate it and see if you can find a skillful way around it. For me, I notice my body is still not very relaxed actually, so I need to focus more on finding some comfort in the body, whatever you need to do to find more peace, please do that, whether it's bodily or mentally. When you do this kind of meditation, 
make sure you don't become too controlling either. Always take a step back from your experience. As if it's just experience without anybody specifically in charge. Then you can ask yourself, is this the right time to pick a certain meditation theme or object for the rest of this sitting? Is it the right time to focus on the breath or on loving kindness or on a body scan or whatever? And if you find so, then please do so. I think for me it's time to focus on the breath now, so I will do that. I invite you to do the same if it's the right time for you. Otherwise, pick your own object or team of meditation that is suitable for you. And then in 20 minutes I will speak again, signal the end of the meditation, Oh, just those 20 minutes, just spend however you think works for you to find more peace.
in a few minutes, I will invite the bell. But before we finish the meditation, take a moment to look back at this meditation session. Ask yourself, how do you feel now? How did you feel throughout the meditation? What worked to make you more peaceful? What didn't work? Which hindrances were you able to avoid, overcome? Which hindrances may still be here? Or have arisen throughout the meditation? And when you overcome certain hindrances, remember how you did that. Remember what worked. Tell yourself, yeah, that, that really was helpful. Whatever I did then and there. That way you reinforce this approach to meditation and next time it'll be more easy to remember. Let's now listen to the bell at the third ringing of the bell. It's time to come out of our meditation. I did do a little drum pattern accidentally there at the end, <laughs> the bell, <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> so, meditation, the way I've been teaching you right now is not very specific way to meditate. I've had you decide for yourself what techniques to use and 
to find out for yourself how to find peace and happiness in the meditation. Often meditation is thought with very specific methods, for example, focusing on the breath or body scans or vipassana or noting or zazen or tonglen or compassion or whatever. And those are all very good, but I have seen in my experience sometimes people stick too much to certain techniques and may just stay only vipassana, whatever that means to them, and that's all they ever do. And nothing against that, but I think, and in my experience, it's much more fruitful to have many different ways to meditate and to integrate them all together in meditation by using the mindfulness to realize what is going on in our minds and to remember what kind of ways of meditation we can use to overcome whatever is an obstacle to peace. You can compare it, for example, I used to ski as a layperson. And then the first time I was taught to ski, they teach you how to break in a certain way by putting your skis in this V pattern. It was the first thing you were taught. And then they teach you how to uh, steer and they teach you how to steer even steeper curves and how to break in different ways. And they teach you how to use your poles and they teach all these things separately. But of course, in the end, the goal of skiing is not to just do one technique of breaking, but to integrate all those things together in some in some way that it becomes fluent. You become natural skier and you don't have to really think about it anymore. How you ski, it just becomes automatic. And it's the same ideally in meditation. You get taught all these different techniques and approaches. And it, ideally you, your mind becomes fluent with those. It's as if you have a toolbox with all different kinds of tools you can use in meditation. And if you're a skilled carpenter, for example, I, I do quite a bit of carpentry as a monk now to make uh, furniture and window frames and that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff I do. And I don't need to really think much about what tools to use. It sort of comes automatically. I have the toolbox there and I know exactly how I need this size chisel. I need this hammer. And by doing that, you just naturally create the furniture in a way. And it's with meditation also like that. You have all the different tools of meditation. and But you don't just stick to one tool. You don't just stick to breath meditation every time. No, you know exactly what tool you need to use uh, to build your meditation. Uh, sometimes you need very specific tools to overcome certain specific mind states and it can take a bit of uh, analysis sometimes to figure out how to overcome certain hindrances it's not always immediately clear this is also one reason why you come to talks like this to learn new tools <laughs> and that's why the Buddha taught so much uh, it's so much Dhamma to, to give us all, he would call it, different weapons. 
to uh, fight the hindrances. So you learn all these different ways. And you have to find your a balance between learning new new methods and uh, actually applying them. Because if you learn too much stuff, uh, different ways of meditating, and you you every time you meditate, you you try something new, then that will also not be very productive. Sometimes it's, it's actually good to stick with a certain method for a while to see what it can do and what it can bring. Just stay with breath meditation for a while and make that your main technique and see when it is useful and when it may not be useful. That way you learn and you become a more natural meditator. One of the my favorite analogies for meditation is when I was staying in a monastery in Western Australia that is in Albany, which is in the south of Western Australia. And then at that monastery is very close to the sea. And they have these very steep cliffs there. Very beautiful, actually. So I went there for, for walks quite often when I was staying there. And one time I went on this quite a long walk to the, to the beach and to the... To the cliffs and above the cliffs was floating some kind of uh, hunting bird I don't know if it was an eagle or a falcon or whatever I don't know birds very well and I also wasn't wearing my glasses so <laughs> it's a bit hard to tell but it was definitely this bird and it was staying so still in the air just at one spot which was amazing because it was an enormously stormy day and I could bear, I'm not exaggerating, I could barely keep upright in a single place. The wind was really gushing and it was also coming from all different directions. And it's quite a windy place up there because it's so, just south of there is the, the Arctic Ocean, I think. So it can get really windy and it was not, not a constant wind speed, it just kept, kept changing all the time. But this bird stayed in one place, it stayed still because it had learned how to fly. It knew exactly how to move its wings. It was so amazing to see when there was a, a hard wind gush, it automatically moved its wings in such a way that it stayed in one place. So I was staring at this bird for quite a long time and uh, then I realized it's like an analogy for meditation to make the mind still. We know ideally exactly how to deal with the winds in the mind. The winds of ill will, restlessness, doubt, etc. If we've been taught how to fly in meditation, things become automatic. This is where you reach a stage in meditation where you just stand back and let it all happen by itself. This is in, in a way another approach to meditation. You just let it be, you let go. And things will naturally develop. If you reach that stage in meditation, then, then things can become really, really still. But 
before you reach that point often you need to be a bit more active yeah like i said before i thought i was going to get sleepy in this meditation and i wasn't that bad actually but uh, at one point i lost some awareness and i just needed to actively raise my awareness as if it's turning up the, the light if you have a dimmer on your light as if i had to turn it up I've done that so often now, I sort of naturally know what to do, but I had to do it quite actively. So sometimes you need to be active in meditation, but sometimes it just comes and you just let go and don't do anything. It's also a way to meditate and you need to use your experience to know when to do what, to use the mindfulness, to know what kind of mind states to develop and what to do when. So I thank you for listening. Hope that was useful. Hope you had a nice meditation. And uh, if there is any questions about this or any other something else, then please raise your hand. No hands. That is very good. Excellent. Any questions from online? No online questions, Pantane, but uh, I hope your tips on staying alert were useful for Deborah in the USA, who was joining us at 3.30 a.m. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Very good. Yeah, that may be a time to be sleepy as well. well although, uh, actually, I have often meditated at 3 a.m. and it was very, very good. It's natural sometimes. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you then again for joining me. And let's pay respects to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Oh, there is a comment still for the people online. Dante, we'd like to thank you on behalf of the committee and the community here. Uh, we thank you for being here and giving us these invaluable teachings for two consecutive Sundays and Mondays. And we hope to see you again back in uh, BCM before you go back to Perth. Yeah, and, uh, well. yeah. Uh, the example you gave about the bird and even about the carpenter and the skier, that's really wonderful. <laughs> very, very appropriate for uh -huh. meditation. Thank you very much, Vante. Yeah, uh, thank you also for letting me stay here. It was a really nice, nice time. And I also hope to be back again at some point. <laughs>